And I am aware now. Aware now. The official platform for causes. Tune in and turn it up as we raise awareness one story at a time for the causes that tie us all together. Only after overcoming mental health issues and a near-fatal addiction was Wes able to recreate himself and land the gig playing guitar with the legendary rock band Korn. His transformation spawned a passion for helping others to not only overcome their greatest challenges, but to help transform their lives. Wes has dedicated himself to carrying the messages of his many teachers on how to tap into the highest versions of ourselves and what he calls the vortex of radness. From getting the corn gig to forming Rock to Recovery, a nonprofit that uses the healing power of music to uplift those in recovery, meditation has been part of everything amazing in Wesley Gear's life. Wes Gear, thank you so much for joining us today on Aware Now. Appreciate your time and sharing this space to share. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Well, so here's the thing. Regarding, let's just get right into things. Regarding mm-hmm. sobriety. Most people think steps. For you, Wes, music came to mind. In a post you shared following the 10th anniversary, congratulations, of Rock to Recovery, you gave thanks to your family, your team, brothers, sisters, volunteers, board supporters, and stated that we want art and music to be at the center of recovery. Mm, Yeah. So with regard to your center, and uh, the story of Rock to Recovery, what does that look like? How did this all start? Well, when you said steps, were you referring to like 12 steps and all that stuff? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's my foundation. Hey, I will never, you know, to each their own. I, I will make the gratuitous statement that there's many w- different ways to recover, et cetera, et cetera. I'm an alcoholic. I didn't know I was an alcoholic. I thought I had a drug problem. I went to a rehab that had the big book of AA and it explained so many things to me this, about this allergy. Why, if I start drinking a beer, you know, I beer's not my problem. I don't even like beer that much, but I'm off to the dealer's house and all this kind of stuff. So it explained in that book in wonderful detail what I believe to be my issue of just being an alcoholic and um, the people I knew that recovered did do the steps. And that's, uh, so that's what I did. I actually, my first sponsor was, uh, and still is, he's a musician and plays in punk bands. And uh, the guy that sponsored him was like, um, you know, kind of challenged him. Like, you don't have to quit your life. You know, you got to put your recovery first, but you, you know, booze is everywhere. And so trying to hide from it you know he didn't suggest that well i think that's definitely needed for some people because that powerlessness is really scary sometimes it overcomes us before we even realize it but anyhow i'm a um i'm a 12 stepper through and through Mm -hmm. and you know so in my experience of getting sober and having toured the world and and doing music and and loving art and everything. When I was getting sober, I noticed that I was kind of felt isolated to 
you know, AA meetings or backyard barbecues where everybody's drinking Red Bull and, you know, already insecure and weird, newly sober. And who am I and what am I? And now we're all jacked up on Red Bull. And I'm like, this isn't fun for me. You know, I knew it was necessary as part of my recovery. You know, I had to rebuild my life in an entirely new way. Um, I don't believe in like, you know, hanging out at bars and trying to stay sober, that, that kind of stuff. You know, it's different if you're a musician and that's your job and you got to go play, right? Right. Um, so that was just kind of something that stuck with me. And and so um, when uh, I got the corn gig as a result of being sober, I got back into music, mm-hmm. having been out for about six years because I was sober, because they wanted somebody who's in recovery. I took... What I learned in AA and the 12 steps on the road, I went to meetings all over the world, you know, and then while I was working with Corn, I figured the gig probably wouldn't last forever, knowing this industry. So what am I going to do next? I had already tra- had to transition, transition back into normal life once. So, you know, I don't have a degree. I don't have letters behind my name. So when the Corn gig's over, what am I going to do? And so uh, when it finally ended, you know, I was really deep into prayer and meditation at that time because I felt like it was the only thing that would hopeful. I didn't even know if I believed in any of that shit, to be honest. But it was basically like, uh, what else do I got? I'm lost. If there's something out there, show me the way because I don't know what the fuck to do, you know? And uh, by the way, you could cuss and yell at my God because he understands where that energy's coming from. She, it, whatever, benevolent force, divine creation. And, you know, when the corny was going away, I wanted to fall into self-pity. But it was like, all right, I know I wasn't sent here to suffer and have a shitty life. Okay, so let's get that out of the way. Because sometimes I think we all feel like that. Like, what? Is this this what life all about? Just a fucking endless suffer and the struggle and the pain? No, no, that can't be the thing. So I clearly need to be sober. I'm a musician. And it was like, how do I help people make a living? And that was a prayer because I was asking the universe that how do I help people make a living, pay my bills each month. And then the idea for Rock to Recovery came to me pretty quickly. It was um, thinking back to my time in rehab and how we drew pictures and we did yoga, but we we didn't have music, you know. So I wanted to bring music into the treatment setting. And that's what I set out to do. Um so it just started with that simple idea of desperation and the prayer that I like to share with people is something I learned in recovery. Um, it talks about prayer meditation in the A in the 12 steps. And again, these are spiritual philosophies that were collected from all around the world through eons, brought together in a way that can help people transform their lives. And it certainly worked for me. But one of the concepts they talk about is, you know, you can pray for yourself if others are to be helped. So this thing of I need a Ferrari or just give me a big paying job, that doesn't work, you know, so they say, and I agree with that. But what I learned in recovery is that, um, you know, if I say, hey, how can I be me and help the world? That's the key to life. And, um, you know, you see this in spiritual philosophies all over. Like if you know, the concept of if you're a barista, bring love into what you do. It doesn't matter what you do. It's it's the heart you bring into it. So I feel like that kind of cracked the skies open for me. And, you know, I pitched Rock Recovery for eight months before anybody finally hired me. I just had a rough idea of what I wanted to do. I really didn't even know. 
And, um, you know, here we are 10 years later, we're celebrating 10 years. Um, we have 18 program administrators. We do 600 sessions a month with, we've worked with hundreds of treatment programs. We're integrated as part of the treatment curriculum. So we're there for guys like me or an inpatient rehab or something. Every week we're in there bringing music and songwriting expression to non-musicians. A lot of people don't understand that. They don't know what rock recovery is. They think we help musicians, which that's not necessarily untrue because we do interact with musicians. But the idea of rock to recovery is to bring music as a healing transformative force, excuse me, playing music as a healing transformative force into recovery programs for non-musicians. The concept being, we all think music is super magical then why aren't we using it more to help people who are hurting and, and transform their lives? So when I was in my rehab and I was in there with a bunch of guys and we we're all, you know, shame and remorse and self-loathing and anxiety and clickiness, I just watched the power of just me playing my guitar in the room. It just changed the whole room. I'd write silly country riffs and we'd dance around and be silly. And I was like, it had so much more power in that setting. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, you could strum a chord on the side of the street and maybe somebody might go, oh, nice, nice chords, buddy. But in there, I, it changed it changed the world, so to speak. So, you know, um, from there, we've, we've been doing this a long time and just seeing where we could grow and take it. And we started mainly with addiction and we got into mental health and at-risk youth and we worked with incarcerated youth and with pregnant mothers, with newborns, and then we wanted to work with veterans and see if we could do that. And that was really scary because I'm like, I'm just a drug addict guitar player. How do I connect to a veteran who's watched his friends get blown up and been in battle? And, you know, what you learn is that the darkness, you know, it all feels like darkness no matter what gets you there. And the way out is so similar, you know, for so many of us, it's, it's that connection, it's expression and, and music is works for everybody in every setting. I shouldn't say everybody, but seemingly everybody in every setting we take it. So um, back to your original question, <laughs> 20 minutes later, you know, we started having, we started out as a nonprofit and we started having events to fund our nonprofit. Like, okay, let's try to have an event. And um, they were scary. They were, you know, everyone comes so close to failing, but we, you know, roll up our sleeves. I was literally at one of our last ones, just cold calling people to get them in the door. Ham West, I used to play with corn. We have this cool event. Will you come? Will you come? Will you come? Because I'm a perfectionist and I don't like to fail. Mm -hmm. um, but we found this other magic thing that happened in our events. You start doing art auctions and things that so many nonprofits do. But what we have that's really special is we have this foundation of uh, be, uh, this group of musicians with big hearts who are charismatic and dynamic individuals and we bring in our artist friends so while there's so many wonderful nonprofits doing incredible work out there the type uh the energy of our events being recovery transformation uh, you know working against addiction and mental health but also wrapped in music and bright color and art mm -hmm. and the heart we have in our organization makes them very 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 special and so sometimes, you know, in life, you know, we, you know, we want to hoist the Super Bowl trophy, but sometimes it just starts with, dude, put on your cleats 
and just go run on the field. You got to start there, man. And that's what we did, you know, um, and it's just been growing little by little by little. And then so we celebrated our 10 year event. Uh, we had a sit down dinner, which is not our normal event. And again, there's all these artists in there and the energy in the room. That's what you're talking about on my post from our 10 year celebratory mm -hmm. holiday fundraiser event. People were coming up to me going like, I've gone to a lot of charity events. This is the best event I've ever been at. And it's it's not only was it fun and the comedians and the music and the art, and you got the guys from train playing and but it was the energy and the brightness and the color in the room. And I think sometimes, you know, when we can this is why I love prayer and meditation so much is like to get out of this logical mind that's always going to tell you why something's not going to work, why you shouldn't do it, why it's a dumb idea, or, yeah. you know what I mean, is to get connected to the heart and the spirit of the universe and just be like, these events are magic and we have a special something. We just had a, a debrief meeting on it yesterday, talking about what could we do better and all this. And, and it's like, guys, are we going to do this event every year? We have our yearly concert. Are we now going to have a yearly dinner? Because these events are hell on your boy. They're really, really, really hard for months. It's just all day, every day and the pressure. Yeah. But the point is the events are so freaking magical and they're such, I, I feel my heart and soul, they're so important for the recovery community. Like, mm. Again, we're not there to help musicians specifically. We're there to bring music and push our program, which is to help make the realm of recovery stronger by also having music into it. So we're just that one little part. But now this event has a very important role in the world because we're in LA, right? This is the land yeah. of music and art and movies and all that. And there was a few musicians in that room that have sold millions and millions of records who are struggling who are actually i know are relapsing and not being able to stay sober we won't name their names but it was just like a, it was just an incredible energy for for what it did for the community you know mm -hmm. we want to keep doing it that's that's the answer to your question <laughs> well that is a <laughs> that is a beautiful answer and um you know so well yeah and so it's interesting just you and i have this conversation now it was because of Eddie bringing us together. Oh, hey, Ellie, you need to meet Wes and connect with him. And like you say, just bring all of our paths through life, bringing us to this place, whether through art, through music, through recovery, whatever it is, and to realize that we are all so connected. Yeah. And we all have something to offer and something of value. And as long as you have that tenant to be of service, that it's okay to ask. Um, it's just... It's inspiring. Um, you know, so so here's the thing. There was um, the Creative High was a documentary yeah. that you were recently featured in, and so this film, for those who are not aware, it, it uh, it's a film that highlights how the creative process has transformed it trans how it transformed you and eight other musicians and artists while searching for identity, freedom. Can you describe, Wes, your transformation personally and professionally as you traded in the high from substance use to the high from creativity? What was that like? How did you transform? Well, yeah, it's a good conversation to have. You know, I was fed some wrong information and that's okay people give you their opinions 
And that's why it's probably important we're having this conversation. But, you know, my attachment was that, you know, I used to do a lot of drugs and write on purpose. I loved it. I loved to be just like near death, basically, probably by how many substances, but get that loaded and then go create. Um, so that was my association to it. So when I came in to be sober, you know, I had somebody close to me go, oh, you know, your first band did better than most band, most people who ever make a band. Just, you know, move on, get a, have a normal life. I was like, yeah, cool. Uh -huh. But I forgot something. I'm an artist. You know what I mean? And while sometimes that maybe makes sense for some people, and that's fine if it does, they want to let go of that part of themselves. For me, I didn't feel like I was done and it wasn't that I wanted more fame and it wasn't about the money because certainly money is hard to, <laughs> to make play music, especially these days. But my point is I lost myself, you know, and I tried to step away from music and it didn't feel right. And so I guess what I would say to anybody out there is like, don't step away, you know, put your recovery first, but I don't think you have to step away. And then... You know, I think the lesson we we learn is that, you know, it wasn't the drugs writing the songs. I wrote the fucking songs, man. I wrote the guitarists. I wrote the melodies. I did that. You know, the drugs and the booze, they just help us shut off their brain. I mean, look, they being loaded on drugs, alcohol, acid, whatever you're creating on, you can't say that it doesn't take you some weird place that maybe you created something magical. I mean, that you can't fight that fact. But I also can't find the fact that I can't do that because I'll die. So that I had my fun with it. That has to be done. I'm glad I get to play shows on ecstasy and acid and find out, wow, playing on acid actually isn't that rad uh, or whatever. Now I have to be sober to live. It wasn't the drugs that wrote the songs for me. It was me. And, and then now I can become a truer version of who I am because I'm not relying on drugs and outside stuff to get me through life. And then I have to develop, okay, now how do I play just sober? And then when you get to do that, you know, I got to tour, like I said, with Corn Totally Sober. Wow, what an amazing thing it is to play really fucking good, super tight. I'm not drunk on Jack Daniels and remember everything from the show and wake up the next morning and go jogging and not wake up and be like, oh, what did I do last night? I mean, I'll take it all day long. And, uh, mm. I get chills now thinking about it because if I just equate, if I just take some little samples of my, my brain was like, you know, I have to be loaded to create. Limp Biscuit called me to write with them at one point when I was with Head PE. And the first thing I did is I went and got a bindle of meth because that's what my brain said. Oh, I got to write a song for Limp Biscuit. I better go get some drugs. So that's how I was wired. So I thought music was over. I can't be sober and do music. And then you realize it's like, no, no, you you can become the best artist you ever were getting the best gig you ever had playing with corn. Absolutely. Because you're sober. That's why I like to tell my story because I think it's important for the world to hear. I was blessed with the story. I didn't choose it. I didn't want it to go this way, but I think it can help a lot of people out there, you know? Oh my goodness. So much. So, so much. So, um, you know, so so let's get get down to it. That when it comes to addiction, the road to recovery is often long and lots of detours and breakdowns. So my question, I guess, is for those who aren't even on the road and who say they don't have a problem, even though they probably know they do. What advice would you share? I guess what can you say 
about the benefits of sober life and that road that gets you there. What was it for you that made you say, yeah, I don't want to be here anymore? Well, yeah, if you don't, you said, it, what would you say? Somebody doesn't think they have, don't have a problem. If they don't have a problem. If they don't think they have a problem, then they have to come to the realization that maybe they do, you know, to anybody out there like that, like I was, it's like, if you don't have a problem, then you can start and stop whenever you want. Stopping for a month shouldn't bother you at all. Stopping for six months shouldn't bother you at all. You know, I remember my drummer would be like, I'm not drinking this tour. And I'd be like, oh, that sounds so cool, but I cannot do that. I remember walking past Surge from System of a Down and my bass player at the time and and they were just sitting in the sun on Ozfest, not drinking, just talking. It's like, oh, I wish I could be you guys and just sit there. I go, they go, come on and join us. And I was like, cannot, must drink and look for women. You know, I mean, it's just, that's me. So, you know, I think the first thing you have to look is, are you truly in control? Addiction likes to let you think you're choosing, right? I didn't drink for a week. I'm choosing to pick up. Are you really choosing? And that's somebody, that's something that people just have to experiment with on that on their own to figure out, you know, and it, and that's why we lose so many. Um, they say in the big book, it says many follow this through the gates of insanity or death, right? Trying to prove that they're normal, that they can drink and use. Okay. Um, but yeah, so what would I say? Um, you know, <laughs> I just think that being sober and recovery of any sense, mental health or anything, you're becoming the truest version of yourself. So sometimes I even look at people who smoke tons of weed or, or drink. It's like, why be reliant on something? You know, even if you don't have a problem, you know what I mean? Why do you want to be in a situation where you have to live your life with something? You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to have to rely on weed. I don't want to have to rely on booze to have a good time. So what I really enjoy about recovery is again, and it wasn't by virtue, it was by necessity that I can hang out at a dance club and be fine and I don't have to drink. I can go play a show in front of 80,000 people and I don't have to pound a bunch of Jack Daniels before. So what is that? That means I'm the most powerful version of myself I've ever been. And if that isn't a statement, you know, I don't mm. know what is. Oh, I think that's an incredible statement. Um, I, I want to switch gears for a moment uh, to a V word. In hearing the word vortex, personally, I think something dark spiraling that you can't escape. But dark. Dark. <laughs> dark, I did. But perhaps that spiraling does not have to do at all with dark. I would love for you to share this movement that you started entitled The Vortex of Radness. I'm super <laughs> curious. Yeah. Yeah, I'm chipping away on that. I want to write a book um, called The Vortex of Radness because when I got into AA again, the 12 steps, they talk about God. I, I was brought up in the church. I do a lot of stuff that would be considered new age, which is that actually it's oldest stuff because it predates any man-made religion. Um, and so The Vortex of Radness, I'll share what it is in definition in a second. But it's like, you know, I want, in this book, I want to talk about like, we're all saying the same thing, you know, intuition, higher self, gut feeling, you know, feel the vibes. I knew something was wrong. Like, we're all talking about this energy we can tap into out there that can guide us and help us transform and get into higher self. And I just want to kind of write a book that 
brings all that together. But uh, yeah, so Vortex of Radness, where I came up with that, was kind of through my experiences in doing Rock to Recovery. And so what would happen is, um, you know, let's say I'm doing my Rock to Recovery, uh, you know, the company, and then I take in a musician and I show him kind of our methodology. And then he goes and does a Rock to Recovery session. And then the client in there comes in all dark and depressed and then they do music and the client's like oh my god it feels so good now thank you and i watch him the instructor right get super stoked and he goes oh my god this was the most amazing session and i see his light he's all lit up and he's sharing his light with me but i knew that i i know that i'm part of that light and so now we're like sharing this all together to me that's a vortex because it's like spinning back and forth and uh between us right it just kind of yeah. becomes like a synergistic, synergistic alchemy where, uh, you know, the the output of the energy is far greater than the sum of the parts. You know what I mean? If mm -hmm. I just try to do something good on my own, it's like, okay, that was cool. But if I help somebody else and I see them light up in their glow, it reflects back to me and it lights me up even more. And uh, that's what the vortex of radness is. And um it's so it's a simple commentary even though that wasn't a simple explanation on being of service out in the world really mm -hmm. and seeing your impact in the world and have it be reflected back to you and i'm not talking about accolades or somebody making a statue of you out there though that feels good too <laughs> i'm playing but uh you know it's just it's just quietly watching we have a rock recovery uh thread on our uh, you know, text thread and there's all of our program administrators in there sharing their stories. And sometimes just watching them share some amazing experience they had in the text thread quietly hits me on the deepest level. And that's really what it's about. And so I think when we're all operating in the vortex of radness is figuring out what special gift do we have that's uniquely ours to bring the world. And again, it doesn't have to be so special or unique. You can be just really, like I said, a barista or whatever, but when we bring our gift, our heart into the world and watch it reflected back to us by the people who we've, whose lives we've made better in that moment, in that day, week, or year, that's the vortex of radness. And that is very rad. That is really awesome. It is awesome. Very rad. Um, so I want to take you back in time. We're going to go 61 days ago with US. So 61 days ago on October 20th, you posted a message on Instagram that began with this. Hey, uh -oh. y'all. Hey, y'all. I don't know who needs to hear this today. What followed is something that I feel so many of us need to hear every day. You reference the stories we've heard in history of people who would just go out into the ocean in their boats not knowing what was out there you mentioned the parallel that has a metaphor it's like a metaphor to our human experience you closed with this and i quote if we're called to do something in our heart it doesn't need to make sense we don't need a reason we just got to answer the calling to our heart yeah for me um that really resonated it really reverberated so much. So I guess I'd like to get personal here and just ask what calling in your heart are you answering with? Um, yeah, I think it's, I think for me, it's doing the music thing and taking chances 
and a lot of the best things that have happened in my life i'm not one who's gonna go put it on paper and run the numbers i just go and you know i think of parents right where you want the best for your kids so you're like well let's think about this and the outcome and the blah 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 it's like no just go do it because you don't know on your way to failure as a the next biggest chef what experiences you're going to meet and have along the way you know you're fulfilling you're fulfilling a calling in your heart that's the number one thing we're supposed to do on this planet and i like to talk a lot about you know that's i don't like i don't like human brains and i find people who are more on the atheist or agnostic side or don't believe in that are so reliant on the brain and the brain is a constant no factory because all the brain is designed to do is really protect you from being eaten by bears and survive. And so it's going to tell you all the things that can go wrong. Your brain is never going to tell you that you're going to run into on the streets of Nashville, the very performer you need to fill in the lineup for your third rock to recovery event just randomly. It's just not going to do that. So why are you relying on your brain? And so in that essence, we've got to follow our heart and just, it doesn't have to make sense. Just do it. it we're all going to take our last breath someday. And I think that we all want to make sure when we're doing that, that we say, you know what? I always wanted to sail the Catalina and I did it. It was a shitty trip, but I did it by the way, which I did do that. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm happy, you know, you don't want to live in regret right that you see a lot of memes about that i just think that there's this and you know a lot there's a lot of talk about masculinity and you know the toxic masculinity and what it is to be a man and what men should be losing the warrior and the fighter it's like i think that an essence of just being human is just following your heart and doing what you want to do who the fuck cares if it makes sense, if it's going to work out, if it's going to make you money, if this isn't that, you know, I just saw, I'm going to randomly spew some. I just saw this, uh, <laughs> oh, the internet. There's this like <laughs> real where this guy, he's like this, you know, white vanilla ice looking guy, you know, with a light blue suit. He's like, yo, I taught. <laughs> he's like, I don't want friends unless they want to be rich. I got only time for a few friends in my life. And if you don't want to be rich and I want you to be rich and I want you to go and if you, that's not what you want. I don't want you in my life. I'm like, okay, bro, have fun with that. I mean, who the uh. fuck cares? <laughs> I want, uh, you know, that is like, no, I mean, I like that he tied in. I want you to be rich so you can have a house and the family dream of, but with that, like as the motivating factor is so wrong for me. Uh-huh. I go back to the John Lennon quote where it's like, you know, hey, what do you want to be? You know, the teacher asked John Lennon, he goes, I want to be happy. Oh, well, you got the question. You didn't understand the question. I And John Lennon says, I don't think you understand life. Like, we should be on the endless pursuit of happiness, which means don't listen to this thing. Listen to this thing. Disconnect from this bullshit factory as much as possible and follow your heart. And I will say this last little part the key to my life is that i like to share with people is i always ask where do you want me that's my biggest prayer where do you want me show me i don't know you know and uh i know where i want to go but i don't know what the universe has in store when i first got sober 
And I was like so lost and I didn't do music and I didn't make any money and I was broke and fuck it. I would, just, I would go underneath the ocean and I always face the sun so I'd see the light and I'd, be, I'd pray and I'd go, <laughs> again, I'm not a religious guy. He's like, where do you want me? I'm here. Where do you want me to go? And uh, that's what I'm saying. Just follow your heart and trust Trust it's all going to work out. Uh, awesome. <laughs> awesome. Sorry, you're getting the cold brew rambles today. No, no, I'm getting the beautiful beautifuls because, yeah, you. I was almost in tears just from quoting you to now like being. Like, I saw laughing. you. Get, I was like, I know, I know. You're <laughs> pulling on my strings. You're pulling on my strings. So. Uh, well, let's ask. Let's ask you a question. Somebody did this to me. What? Why did it pull on your heartstrings? What? There must. I would. Well, I don't want to answer for you, but I'm guessing that you have something, some calling going on that. Anyhow, why? What was what was moving about that? What's for going me, on for you, with you personally? I think it's just because when you're in a situation, like to your point, you said a moment ago, where you know the direction you want to go, but you have no idea what fucking steps to take. Yeah. And that's scary, especially when you feel like I can't, if I just let me down, fine, but I can't let everyone down. And so when you're in a situation, when you believe so much, you know, I always say, you know, what would you die for? It's this. But Jack, my husband, corrects me, says, no, what would you live for? What's worth that? And so I think it's just why that pulled at me so much is because that's what my heart tells me to do. Everything that we're doing with Aware Now, with Awareness Ties, that's my heart. That's our heart. And we'll put everything on the line for it. But when your head tells you, well, numbers say that blah, blah, blah. I think that's why that hit me so hard. And that really gave me so much um, what I needed to hear that day, which, which is how you started that post. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but oh my goodness, Wes, I really needed to hear that. And I think everyone yeah, does. Yeah. That's you know? awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck the reasons. Just do it. <laughs> Can we just make that a shirt? <laughs> yeah we can yeah that's interesting i i go kind of like to the deathbed thing like when it's all done that's why i started human and doing music again you know it doesn't make sense on so many levels it's i it's you know the chances of it making money i mean not to be negative just it's harder to make money um i have other career i have a career i have plenty of other stuff to do but when i draw my last, and maybe that's the thing I was talking about. I don't remember in that very moment, but when I draw my last breath, if I didn't write some more music and put it out, I would be like, what, what was your problem? You idiot. You know, you should have done it. And at least now I've done it. I go, okay, I did it. I was way too much work or it didn't work out or whatever, but I know that I followed my heart and that's, that's, that feels good. Absolutely. Um, you know, so as you can see from the conversation we've had thus far that I really enjoy reading and pulling from your quotes, uh, pulling quotes I from your posts. <laughs> so I, I want to end our conversation with this one. And it's not actually, a quote, it's more of a caption. It was a caption on a video of you meditating. And it read, when you learn that sometimes the most powerful thing you can do is sit. So... To conclude the conversation, for those who don't meditate, want to, but not sure where to start, or please share how meditation has changed and, and shaped your life. Oh, she's, I need three hours for this. <laughs> the craziest thing about meditation, it's the most powerful thing I believe anybody could do. Uh, 
period and uh and all you're doing is sitting there the number one key i will tell anybody listening to this that none of you will hear that sounds very negative i'll say 98 of you will not hear what i'm about to say the only thing you can do in meditation that's wrong is to judge it period the only thing you can do let me put it another way there's no way to meditate wrong there's no way to not be able to meditate there's no way to meditate poorly you know what i mean there's no failed meditation the only way you can you know uh do it wrong i guess is is by judging it so the point is we're not trying to stop our thoughts our brain thinks it's never going to stop our brain's never going to stop thinking just the heart beats the brain thinks it's what it does so that is not the goal of meditation the goal of meditation is to offer the opportunity to let the brain chill out a little bit and bring the focus elsewhere and bring it into the body and in so doing we create more space for what i believe is divine intelligence to come through i have so many stories that it's how i got the corn gig it's how i created rock recovery it's how i've like bought my house out in the desert when i thought i was going to buy here is i got quiet and i sat down and i get messages man and they're not me and whether people want to believe that or not is fine but the point is i have been, literally been redirected so many times and again when we're lost and we're looking for answers and you're up here in the no factory the you know why it's not going to work it's it's like you you're not going to really get where you want to go but when we do a re- and again the thing with meditation is like anything it's like playing guitar or it's like having a savings account or, or it's like working on a relationship or whatever it's not about what happens in one meditation it's about the cumulative effects of med- having it be a part of your regular life there's a saying about meditation which is it's not about what happens in the meditation it's about what you take afterwards out into the world so um you know i just i meditate every single day and in doing that it provides an opportunity for me to get the much needed guidance and inspiration that comes through i'll have ideas pop up songs pop up and the, by the way for me most of the time when i'm meditating i i let my brain just go all over it's thinking about stuff but it's still super effective but let me tell you one thing i did for example specific I got into this Wayne Dyer meditation for manifestation and it's a 20 minute meditation and it's all guided. He tells you what to what to think about and then you go ah when you're going ah you're imagining the energy going through your root chakra out your third eye and you visualize on what it is you want to manifest. It could be serenity, it could be a new job, it could be anything. So at the point when it was so painful I wasn't playing music anymore. I was like, "You know what, universe, I want back into music." And I started doing the uh and i was thinking i want to be in a band and it better not be a shitty band i'm not getting in some van i'm like 38 years old it better be a good band i want to get back into music and i did this all meditation every day uh and i was visualizing me playing in a band and all stuff within 10 days of that corn texted me out of nowhere i hadn't spoke to them in 15 years and i was never super tight with them anyhow they're like hey you want to come play with me i kept doing this meditation every day I'm getting chills now. They, they, do you want to come play with us? Uh I kept doing the meditation. I was like I 
I, I want to start this new business. I had this idea as another idea. Anyhow, out of nowhere, I got a check for $10,000. Then I was like, I feel like my brother's going to fire me. My brother fired me out of nowhere unexpectedly. And it's what I wanted so I could get unemployment. And I was obsessing on, I'm sober. I feel like a rich guy is going to, should take me traveling with him. I could help him stay sober. After my brother fired me, sure enough, my friend called me. He's in Hong Kong. I need you to come travel with me and help me stay sober. I'm on a business trip. It would all fucking lined up. At that time, every time I looked at the clock, it was 222-111-333-1111. I was talking to my hippie friends going, what is that? And they're like, that means you're in spiritual alignment. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> all this shit started, <laughs> started happening. And I was like, there's something going on. And so I just went deeper with it. I'll tell you one other quick, quick story. I looked for a house around here in the Aliso Viejo area for months, found the perfect house after the end of months, was going to put in an offer. I was like, ah, something doesn't feel right. I meditated. I heard this thing, this voice say, go out to the desert. And one day I put an offer in on a house. I don't know why, because it's really ugly. I just felt right. And it's near Joshua Tree, but it's in 29 Palms. I know nothing about the desert. I'm driving home going, what the fuck have I done? I've just put an offer in a house. It's not even in Josh Trees in 29 Palms. It's on a dirt lot near a junkyard. Oh my God. And I went home having a panic attack. I couldn't sleep. I meditated and I was like, I want answers. What's up? And I heard that voice. It came and said, this will be very powerful for you through the people you meet. And I said, through the people I meet in the <laughs> desert. I want to hear it'll make me money. It's a sound investment. Blah, 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 blah. You know, as soon as I got out there, I met this whole new culture of amazing people. My neighbors from Laguna Beach, where I live now, I met this artist guy who renovated the hotel, who's managing my property. I mean, this A-list actor I won't name out there. Within a couple of weeks, I had more of a community of friends out there, powerful friends and musicians than I have in, here in Laguna Beach in six years. What was the message in my meditation? This will be very powerful for you by the way of the people you meet. That was before I even closed the deal on the house. I got that message through my meditation. So I can't tell you what experiences other people will have, but I'll tell you that the magic of the universe lives in a place that we can't see, but we know it's there, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The energetic realm, the ether, the realm of the spirit, right? Wherever our souls, our guides, our spirits, our saints, our gods, whatever you want to call them, live. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to tap into. It seems to be working. Wow. Wes, I cannot thank you enough for all of the stories that you've shared and um, all the inspiration and hope that that you give by the work that you do and the, just showing up the way that you live. And um, thank you. Thank you for helping all of us just become a bit more aware now. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for doing the work you do. And uh, what a beautiful time it is that we live in where we all get to share the stuff that the level we're at now, right? You know what I mean? Uh, the level of social consciousness and social awareness, you know? Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful time to be alive. There's a lot of amazing people out there. And by the way, everything I'm saying here, people taught me. You know what I mean? So we're all just a product of the people that um, we let lead us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. I really just can't thank you enough. But um, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, wait, can I do something? I yes, of course. Had. 
There's a book out called Rock to Recovery, Music as a Catalyst. For <laughs> I wrote that. I forgot what it says. Music for a Catalyst for Human Transformation. These are 18 vignettes. It's a book of hope, really. 18 stories, short stories of people who've had miraculous transformations, where, by the way, our music program have happened to be part of that. Ties in a little bit of the science of music, but if anybody out there is struggling or wants a book of inspiration, it's really good. It's available on Amazon.com, Rock to Recovery, right awesome. there. And then, of course, got to plug the band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> HU3. We got to spell it and make it really fucked up so nobody can find us. And to anybody <laughs> offended by my F-bombs, sorry about that. It's okay. These are things. We are all humans. Tune into our podcast, subscribe to our magazine, find us and join us online. Visit IamAwareNow.com. We will no longer wait for permission to change the world. Together, we are aware now.